Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the football pandemic. We're coming up on the halfway mark of this NFL season, and it's been quite a crazy ride, just like 2020. Let's stick around and talk about that now. Well, guys, it's been another crazy week in the NFL. Welcome to the football pandemic. We are excited to get started here and see what's going on. We're actually going to start today with some of that news and tidbits from around the NFL. Tristan, why don't you start us today on that? We'll start off with the marquee game of last week. The Steelers remain undefeated. They beat the Titans 27-24, and Steven Gostowski had a chance to tie it at the end, but he was a little bit off with that field goal. So the Steelers are the final team that is still undefeated in the NFL. And, man, talk about a a franchise to be envious of. The Steelers are notoriously just consistent through the decades but now they have this team that's 6-0. and The defense looks unbelievable. The offense is explosive. That's going to be a tough team to beat, however you slice it. Now, they've missed the playoffs the last two years, or was it just last year? No. they've. I Let me let me do a little bit of research here. I think they haven't... They Last year, missing the playoffs was, like, really notable in terms of the last, like, 10 years or so. They yeah. don't miss the playoffs. That's what I was going to say. They, they've been very consistent. It was like those years where we had Peyton Manning. We were always in the playoffs, and then... When we started missing, I was like, what? I'm not used to this. Uh, they had a much shorter uh, miss time there, I think, whether it was one or two. But it yeah, last two. last week it was two. That's why I thought we had two, in a, two seasons in a row. Uh, but uh, last week we were talking about what's the last undefeated team. And uh, it really came down uh, to, in our minds, who won that game. And Pittsburgh it is. And just like we predicted, Arizona topped Seattle. We'll get to that in a minute, though. But... Yeah, notable. Yeah, so the Steelers, they have, they did miss the playoffs the last two years, but the last, the previous four years, they were in the playoffs, made the conference championship game 2016, 2011, and 2010. They just get so many playoff appearances. They've had like three coaches in their whole existence. So that's that's a, a fan base I wish I could be a part of. There's a lot of Steelers fans all over the place. I don't, I don't blame them. I've always and said also, that uh, as an Indianapolis Colts fan, I hated the New England Patriots and I hated the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason was they were they were the two that when it came to the AFC trying to get to the end, they were the ones that always seemed to kick us out. Now, I know that Baltimore's kind of risen uh, and, and has had some big years and now Kansas City is going to be a powerhouse to get by. So, uh, But luckily, I don't have to worry about hating on New England as much because I think they're done for a while. <laughs> yeah, major. Uh, well, Blake can get into that in his Homer highlights. But uh, another story to talk about: major injury on uh, the Cleveland Browns. Odell Beckham he gets injured. He's out for the season, torn ACL, got hurt on the first play. Man, that's that's tough for him. You know what's great? Uh, in our league, uh, Clear Eyes Full Hearts has him, and we were talking just before this last week. He's like, "Yeah, I think I may put OBJ up for a trade." Um, I just can't decide. And then he didn't and he got hurt and I texted him. I'm like, waited one week too long on that one. Didn't you? I tried to trade him right after he had that, that big game against, against the uh, Cowboys, just because I don't know whether it's because Baker's like a, a shorter quarterback and you know, he's not able to get the ball out 
in the same way, you know, a taller Eli Manning was able to on the, some of those slants. He just he just disappears in games. And I mean, obviously, I'm not happy he got injured. That's that's tough. But as a fantasy owner for specific specifically that area, I'm kind of glad I can just drop him. Don't have to worry about it. I can figure it out in the waiver wire. I usually do that anyway. Following that injury, Baker Mayfield had five touchdowns and I mean, the question has to be asked, are the Browns better without Odell Beckham Jr.? On paper, that doesn't make any sense, but there's there's kind of that that narrative of you have this this stud receiver who, who if, if you don't throw to him in, in, let's say, for five plays, it's like, you know, he, he start get, starts getting upset and Baker has to worry about that. Without that guy there, he can just kind of play carefree, kind of spread it around to whoever, to Hollywood Higgins or some backup tight end we've never heard of. And it, it seemed to work out well. So that's, that's, that's the, uh, the talk going around Cleveland is that are the, are the Browns better than than they are with uh, Odell Beckham? Yeah. And of course the game of the week was Sunday night football. Uh, the, the play everyone is talking about is the, the chase down from, from DK Metcalf on the interception from Buda Baker. And that's so funny that, Buda Baker made, made it an amazing play. You know, no one intercepts Russell Wilson. No one intercepts him in the red zone. And he should have had a pick six that would have led Sports Center and been the play of the week everyone's talking about. But instead, it's the tackle that was made by DK Metcalf. I mean, talk about a guy you don't want to be chased down by. Yeah. Um, that's that's DK Metcalf. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a frightening sight. He's so, fast and he's big. It reminded me, do you guys think that that's the best chase down in NFL history? I've got a, a bit older nominee, but what do you guys think about that? I think there was a better one this week, actually. I think it was the chase down uh, Drew Locke had on himself as he ran for his 80-yard touchdown and ended up being tackled by Daniel himself. Um, I mean, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones, yes. <laughs> I tell you, I always get Daniel Jones and Drew Locke mixed up. I don't know why in my mind. But yes, uh, Daniel Jones uh, running for his uh, life and tackling himself. That was actually I've, fun. I've got, two, I've got two historical examples. One from the big O-lineman, maybe the strongest player in NFL history, Larry Allen. If you haven't seen that, he made a heck of a, a chase down tackle one time off of an interception. A guy that big should not be able to move that fast. Uh, but also there's one uh, that uh, was from earlier 2000s from Ben Watson. He made hmm. an unbelievable play on a similar, similar play, a, what should have been a pick six, chase down Champ Bailey, who at the time was probably the fastest player in the NFL. That was a play you really chalked up to, to effort, just not giving up on a play. Everyone else did. Ben Watson made the play. Just kept so on. Those, those chase downs are so cool. That's, that's, that's always a great play. Yeah, I want to talk about the Falcons finding new ways to lose. Oh, yeah. So, again, <laughs> they lost in the fourth quarter. And I, w- I want to point out all of their fourth quarter losses this season, statistically, <laughs> where they were supposed to be for winning. So entering the fourth quarter, they've lost three games against the Cowboys, the Bears, and now the Lions. Their win probability against the Cowboys entering the fourth quarter was 99.9%. Yep. Loss. Their win probability against the Bears was 99.6%. Loss. Loss. <laughs> Their win probability against the Lions was 95.9%. Loss. <sighs> and it's so they could have had that game so easily, but they scored a touchdown 
to give Matthew Stafford 40 seconds of time to drive it down the field for yeah. a touchdown for Detroit. That was good old Todd Gurley, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was right there on the line. They they debated it for just a, a little bit of time, and then they ruled it a touchdown. Uh, he was like parallel with the line, not trying to go in, and and he magically went in. So they lost by scoring a touchdown. You don't always hear that. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just I do want- unbelievable. I mean, yeah. at this point, if if I'm a if I'm a Falcons fan, obviously the the Bears loss and the Cowboys loss are just infuriating, and you're you're really still trying to win at that point. Now it's kind of like, all right, you know, we're we're rebuilding. We fired our coach or GM. Why not lose? Here's you know, the problem, though. Extremely upset. Here's the problem: is it is really the de- defensive side of their ball that is just horrible because in every one of these games they've scored lots of points which is what you want your offense to do if their defense could have stepped up and kept somebody from driving the field they would have won if their defense would have kept some of these huge comebacks from happening because they've had some games like early in they've had these huge leads their defense does nothing and yet everybody's like this whole team needs to be blown up well the problem is uh some of the offense isn't playing bad but that defense whoo but at, at the same time, you're, I think a team at this point, the GM is going to come in, whoever it is and make plenty of changes, whether it's a complete rebuild or not, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to change a whole lot about what's going on there. So at this point, yeah, you just kind of got to embrace it. I think as a, as a Falcons fan of, all right, that, that loss in the long run probably I think helps us a little bit. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I would agree. I want to I want to move on to our next topic of discussion, and that's Antonio Brown signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, uh, pretty big, pretty big signing. There was a lot of talk around the league. It's like, oh, he's definitely going to Seattle. They had uh, Green Bay pegged as like the number one team that should go for Antonio Brown, uh, and we didn't go for him as aggressively. I don't really think I wanted him on Green Bay, even if it was just for the next six to ten weeks however long that he's going to stay in the organization that he's with. Uh, but he landed a deal with the Buccaneers and you kind of got to think, was it, you know, that Tom Brady talking to the organization saying, Hey, bring him in just for the rest of the season. It was I'll entirely, make sure he's doing good. Entirely yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bruce reason Arians it'll work there, out. the reason it'll work there mm-hmm. uh, over a place like green Bay is Aaron Rodgers would not put up with, uh, Antonio Brown and he doesn't have a relationship with him, but Tom Brady does. Tom Brady has a voice with him. You know, Bruce Arians was the one coach who came out and said, no, we're not signing Antonio Brown. Right. No. But w- with Tom Brady, it's, you, you trust him so much. You, you bring him in as a guy who, who you say, all right, you, you listen to his opinion and you, you kind of have a give and take there where you say, all right, you, you want Antonio Brown, I'll give you this. And it, you kind of have a, a give and take relationship and I think I really think Brady was the main guy who wanted to bring Antonio Brown in. I mean, he brought in Rob Gronkowski. You know, he was probably the guy that said, "All right, let's go get him." Mm-hmm. You know, he'll he'll play with me. And I guess he he trusts his judgment with with Antonio Brown. It didn't when he played with him in uh, New England last year? Didn't he like live in his house for a little while? I think so. I th- yeah, when he first got there. So yeah. This is going to be really interesting. I mean, the 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 Buccaneers. I mean, the offensive talent they have is just unreal. I mean, oh yeah, when he was with New England, like they did well in the one game they played together, right, or two games, whatever it was. It was but one. it, yeah, but it was that. Against the Dolphins. Yeah, it was that uh, 
off field stuff that like basically New England's like, no, we're not dealing with this. Let him go. So I could see it working there. Mm -hmm. Is it a case, though, you're you're talking about this juggernaut with all of these pieces. Is it a case, though, like OBJ? Uh, Are the Browns better without this one person who really wanted the ball all the time? Now we got somebody coming in. Now, uh, granted, uh, Tom Brady, if anybody can say you're not getting it all the time, but does it change the dynamic? Well, and Brady's already have, has a lot of guys to, to spread the ball around to. You got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Now Rob Gronkowski is really starting to come back into form. I, I just I just think this is kind of Antonio Brown eventually slotting in ahead of Scotty Miller. You know, I think he plays that kind of uh, maybe a role on the outside that maybe a little bit in the slot. Does he stay kind of happy one out of your slot guy? Does he stay happy though when he's maybe. getting so few targets? I don't know. Hopefully, he would. He's doing better mental health wise uh, than when he was last in the big big news. If you're you're Tom Brady, you got to be upfront with the role of you know you're not going to come in and be our number one guy right away. Like you got to you got to prove yourself. You got to kind of ingratiate yourself into the team and start out with a probably a smaller role but antonio brown the last time we really saw him was one of the best receivers in the nfl so this this is a, a great signing i think for, for the bucks it's it's a, a high upside a lot of talent in antonio brown and it's gonna be fun to watch i think he's been working out and i think bruce arians has come out and said we told him if you start you know like throwing fits because you're not getting targets you're out so again i think they probably addressed all that early but it is one of those things like you know Several years ago, the Eagles had the dream team on paper. It was just like unbelievable, all the talent, and it ended up being so bad. So uh, I don't think that'll happen, but it's always something to watch for. Yeah, I, I want to go back just a little bit and talk about the Sunday night game. Again, there was another big thing. There, there was a lot of big things that happened in that game, but I do want to address Larry Fitzgerald now getting to 1,400 receptions in his career. There's yeah. two players in NFL history now. It's him and Jerry Rice. So it's pretty small company, but pretty big company. Uh, what do you guys think about Larry Fitzgerald and his career so far? Oh, he's, he's going to be hall of fame. Even if he didn't win a super, he hasn't won a super bowl, right? They got close. (laughs) They were in the super bowl against Pittsburgh and then they lost it against which, which blessed team was that Pittsburgh? Yeah. (laughs) Pittsburgh, man. (laughs) Like that game. I remember being a kid and just really, really rooting for the Arizona Cardinals. I, I was a, Big fan of Kurt Warner and that whole yeah. run. He's, he's got such a great story. But, man, that touchdown at the end, Santonio Holmes. You had James Harrison running back a 100-yard interception before half. To, James Harrison? Like, come on now. How does that happen? That season. So in college, I had a, a friend, and he and I, we uh, we each took a team that was just horrible forever uh, and rooted for them to do well. Uh, he had the Arizona Cardinals and I had the Cincinnati Bengals and uh, Arizona Cardinals went to the Super Bowl and we were about to like crown him like the the champ. Now he he was right in that they've done better <laughs> since even. But uh, yeah, we, now now there's some hope in Cincinnati for the future. We'll see. Moving on. If you own a Cowboys jersey, you can now show up to practice starting tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to start to turn this organization around. Uh, if you don't have a job, invest in a Cowboys jersey. Just show up. You'll have a job. I mean, I've never seen an offense just completely nosedive like this from where they were just a couple weeks ago. I mean, Dak was healthy. That was one of the best offenses in the NFL. Now someone like Ezekiel Elliott, now in your guys' fantasy league, this might be different because he's still a bell cow running back, but 
his value, you, you, you really don't want to trade. You don't, we don't, you wouldn't want to trade for Ezekiel Elliott because that their, their offense is completely dismantled there. You know, there's no O line. They're missing a lot of stars there. So it's just. Right. Uh, the big question there is, is it the, is it the coaching or is it the players or is it both? I think it's a mix of both. You know, the players aren't getting along with the coaches. The coaches aren't getting along with the players. You know, it's, it's both. It, it has to be. Right. And I think it's a matter yeah. of players like getting entitled. And, you know, there's those leaks that are happening. Those are coming out of the locker room. And when leaks are coming out of the locker room, there's there's trouble. There's there's problems in that. Uh, and then the, the players come out and they said it's the coaching. You know, they can't coach. They don't know anything. Uh, trying to shift the blame to the, the coaches, which I, I believe the coaches probably aren't the best. Uh, but then the players come out and they, they put up this poo <laughs> game. It's just so bad. And you have to say, uh, these players aren't really trying either. Uh, this is just a, a, an organization that's probably about to be, except for uh, the quarterback, unless they can't figure out what to do next year as well. It's probably going to get a big explosion of sorts, maybe coaching and players. I do want to stay in the NFC East really quick and talk about Ron Rivera. He completed his cancer treatments and rung the bell and is now declared cancer-free. We kind of talked about this towards the beginning of the season, uh, and I'm sure it was extremely difficult for him to go through all these treatments and coach a football team that yeah. you're rebuilding. Um, I mean, hats off to him. Yeah. Extremely, yeah, extremely strong guy. Yeah, big respect. I mean, you look at what the the coaching schedule is like. A lot of times, those are the long nights, not a whole lot of sleep, a lot of time away from your family, and I throw in cancer treatment above all of that. That's just that's insane. Big big shout out to the former Chicago Bear, Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. And now that he doesn't have to focus on his cancer treatments, they can go win the division and make the playoffs. <laughs> there like we you go. predicted, huh? Yeah, Brew, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Texans had one positive COVID test from a player and have closed down their facilities that came out of NFL news today, uh, within like the past hour and a half or so. And you know why this is important what? because several teams have had one case, but this is important to our friend doing the news because of one reason. What is that reason? Uh, because three days ago, the green Bay Packers were in those facilities <laughs> and we have, we have zero positive COVID tests right now. Uh, but the NFL has not declared if they want us to take time away from our facility or not. I'm hoping we don't. You know, it's up to the NFL and we have to comply to those rules. Also, that this timing worked out pretty well for the Texans in that it's their bye week now. So mm -hmm. they've got time to kind of manage this. Yeah. Just keep it moving. Keep I don't think going. he's worried about the Texans. I think he's worried about Green Bay getting its practice time. <laughs> well, uh, there's also lots of trade negotiations. Uh with Will Fuller. Green, Green Bay and the Texans as of the past 30 minutes that we just had released. Um, but I'm going to move on to some other trade negotiations that have been successful so far. Uh, about an hour ago, Bengals defensive end Carlos Dunlap was traded to Seattle. Uh, that's really big for Seattle, not having a defense that can really stop the run or stop the pass right now. Yeah, the pass rush is their, is their weak spot for sure. And so that's, that's a nice piece to add. I mean, we, it's kind of tough to degrade what Carlos Dunlap is right now with, you know, being with the Bengals for his whole mm -hmm. career. So I don't know. That's that's a nice pickup. What'd they get for him? Uh, th that information will be released tonight at 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, the trade was approved, but we don't know what Seattle has given up just quite yet. It, it'll be out on our Twitter tonight once they release it. 
we'll make sure it's shared. Uh, then I want to move up to the NFC North and talk about the Minnesota Vikings. They got rid they got rid of one defensive lineman and another one is ruled out for the season after a surgery. They got defensive lineman they acquired for in a trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars at the beginning of the season. Yeah, Ngakwe. Yeah, no, Yannick. They Yannick traded Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, yeah, they traded him over to Baltimore, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Daniil Hunter. He underwent neck surgery. It was successful. They repaired a herniated disc, and he will miss the rest of the season. My final piece of news, I guess it also includes former defensive lineman Everson Griffin, now been traded to the Lions for a conditional sixth-round pick. The uh, the details have been released on the Carlos Dunlap trade. It was Carlos Dunlap for uh, B.J. Finney, an offensive lineman, and then the seventh-round pick. So that's that's a pretty pretty buy low you know value trade i think for the seahawks yeah i agree <laughs> i win in your face yeah how do you like some apples Go! all right we're gonna do our homer highlights and we're gonna go in this order today we're gonna start with the bears go to the packers hit the colts and end with new england uh tristan with the bears what's the highlights from this week well speaking of highlights there were no offensive highlights really for the bears they had <laughs> one like one drive uh, Nick Foles tried to force it in, got picked off against the Rams. Uh, defensive touchdown. Eddie Jackson didn't get called back this time. He had a scoop and score, but yeah, man, the story this week is is Matt Nagy's play calling, and I have really defended him. And it's again so tough because this offensive line is not it's not good. You you didn't really add to it. All you added was Jermaine Effetti, and that's obviously really has not worked to the extent you wanted it so far overall this this offensive line is is so tough they don't they are not good at run blocking you know david montgomery is not is not able to get a whole lot of running room he was actually one of pro football focus's highest graded running backs just because he made so many guys miss and even that that wasn't enough again that trickles down to Matt Nagy of, okay, now you, you can't run the ball. Try to have a, a successful offense with Aaron Donald having his ears pinned back and just able to attack on obvious passing downs time and time again. But I just don't understand why Matt Nagy feels so confident with, on a fourth down. Oh, yeah, let's pitch it to Cordero Patterson. Like, I'm <laughs> enough with that. Get him out of the backfield. Just give it to David Montgomery. Make him your workhorse. I just don't understand. Like, get Cordell Patterson out of the backfield. That's a. It was a fun little gadget play that was kind of intriguing at first, but it doesn't work. He's a return man. He's a wide receiver. Get him out of there. Um, the defense is still pretty solid. It's going to give you a chance in pretty much any game. Need more from the offense. New week, same story. The Bears are five and two. Still got a chance, but I don't know. I, I have no idea where this season's going to go. I've got my confidence in both my teams. Uh, Illinois football. And the Bears are just pretty just zapped overall. This was a terrible week for my teams. I was talking to my brother-in-law uh, just the day before the game, and uh, I was congratulating him on having a 5-1 and one team. Uh, and he just immediately said, I, I have no confidence. <laughs> my brother-in-law, Brandon Estrada, <laughs> lives in, in Chicago, and he's like, I'm, I'm not going to get my hopes up. <laughs> I mean, this, these next couple of games are, could be a real disaster. Are going to beat the Titans? I know the, the, the Saints aren't quite what they used to be, but I don't think you beat them. I, I don't know. This is this is <laughs> this is interesting. 
Yeah, yeah I, I want to point out in that game, uh, Los Angeles' punter, Hecker, he did quite well with turning the field position. I think he had five punts within the five-yard line. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, that great job by him, no doubt. That's exactly what you want to do from your punter. But hey, Ted Ginn, go get the football. You're the return guy. You're not there to just stand <laughs> around and let the ball get down at the three-yard line. Go get the ball. Cut yeah, him. I, get him out I, of there. He's terrible. <laughs> I, I think the statistics statistics are if you start within the five yard line you have like a 12 to 15 percent chance on scoring on that play yeah and that's you know under uh, an underrated part of the game is special teams and that really just got the bears off to terrible starts on the offensive uh, side of the football on multiple drives because they just they were up against their own end zone so yeah they uh, they signed demetrius harris former uh, cowboy and raider uh, return guys so i think ted ginn is gonna get, take a seat on the bench the guys like 43 years old so yeah fire him get him out of there terrible well you still have five wins in chicago two losses though making the fan base nervous there are though mm-hmm. a couple teams in the nfc that have five wins with only one loss and one of those in your division happens to be the leader of the nfc in total right now let's talk about them brandon oh yes and i will everyone prepare uh, for the next six-hour lecture on why the Green Bay Packers are the greatest <laughs> team in the <laughs> NFC. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll make this pretty quick. Uh, so Green Bay traveled to Houston a few days ago. They beat the Houston Texans at home 35-20. to 20. Uh, And we did this out without a number of key starters, which without these starters, it really made me nervous with the way that the Texans came out and played against the Titans a couple weeks ago. Because uh, if they came out and played like that, I think it would have been a lot closer of a game. But we played without uh, Kevin King, Darnell Savage, and Tyler Lancaster on the defense. And then on the offense, we played without Tyler Irvin, Aaron Jones, and David Bakhtiari. All of those people have major impacts on what this team does week in and week out. And it made me nervous when I saw that they were inactive for the game. Luckily for uh, you, Devontae Adams was active oh, and Oh, Devontae Adams. I'm going to get to Devontae Adams here in a second. You, you just sit back and you... You don't worry. (laughs) I do want to point out Aaron Rodgers went 23 for 34, 283 yards and four touchdowns. You know, back in Aaron Rodgers land of let's go be Aaron freaking Rodgers. Let's do it. After Tampa Bay, he needed that. Yeah, I think I think it was a big thing. They had a great week of practice having Devontae back in the full swing of everything and no one being able to cover him was great, which leads me into Devontae Adams. He had 13 receptions for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Of those 196 yards, 102 of them were yards after the catch, which as of right now is the best game by a wide receiver this season. Devontae Adams had the second most fantasy points in mm-hmm. in no, a normal fantasy league. T- Tyler Lockett. If you get Tyler Lockett, try and sell high on it because that game was unbelievable. He had what, like 53 fantasy points? Yeah, 200 and DK yards, Metcalf was so silent touchdowns. in that Seattle game. Yeah, he would have had a touchdown. He got called back right at the end, but uh, yeah, he, he was all one, about that one, one rundown. <laughs> yeah, you, you signed DK Metcalf to be more of a defensive player than an offensive player at this point. <laughs> Well, it's like Julio Jones has like a defensive mixtape. You can start to compile that for, for DK Metcalf. Although there's not going to be a whole lot of interceptions to, to make plays off of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So coming up this upcoming week, we uh, play the one in five Vikings at Lambeau Field. Lucky. Uh, with really no no pass rush, I'm expecting a big running game there. Uh, and we'll kind of see Aaron Rodgers float some stuff over the top. I don't think the Vikings have anyone that can really cover Devontae Adams. 
uh, the way Devontae Adams needs to be covered. So expecting a big game from him. I do want to point out little known name Jair Alexander is on his own little island out in Green Bay. I call it Area 23. Uh, he's the highest rated corner in the NFL right now. Receivers like Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, and Will Fuller have a combined zero catches when they've been targeted against Jair Alexander. Zero catches out of 92 snaps. Nice to have a good offense and a good defense, isn't it? Yeah, a, a killer shutdown corner. I, I've really been impressed with the way he's been progressing these past few years. Uh, and then with the Monday night game with a Bears down and a Seahawks loss, the Packers take number one spot overall in the NFC. Good times in Green Bay. We're going to move to my Colts now. Uh, Colts, uh, they had a bye week this last week, so nothing huge. And they were pretty quiet. Uh, there was a little bit of roster movement, but it was all uh, practice squad type stuff. Uh, the big thing with the, the Colts has to do with what's coming up. Uh, next week, they played Detroit. That is a winnable game, and they better win it because after that, they have Baltimore, probably a loss. Tennessee, probably a loss. Green Bay, probably a loss. Tennessee again, probably a loss. I would love for them to split that. Uh, they come up then, Houston maybe a win. Raiders maybe a win. Uh, Houston again, I think they'll sweep Houston. Uh, Pittsburgh then after that, probably a loss. Jacksonville to end is a win. The problem is uh, that if they win Jacksonville, Houston, Houston, and the Raiders, that would only put them at nine and seven for the year. And I think that's if they beat Detroit. That's I don't think that's enough to make the playoffs. I think they have to at least get 10 wins. And so that means they have to beat one of those. Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, or Pittsburgh. They have to beat one of those. It's going to be a tall order for the Colts. So I think the big the big highlight this week is this is the, the last week that we may feel a little more confident going into a game for a win against Detroit. I'm hoping. <laughs> I would hate to have another Jack Jacksonville to start the season. Everybody expected that to be a win, and it wasn't. Uh, but uh, we're going to be looking at some some tough weeks for Colts ahead, maybe some not-so-exciting uh, and glorious weeks, unless we pull out some wins we don't expect. How about those New England Patriots? Did they pull out any wins this week, Blake? I'm keeping optimistic, but no. We lost 33-6 to against San Francisco. Hold, hold on now, hold on. Is that three in a row lost? When was the last time they lost three in a row? I couldn't tell you. I can. Before the Bill Belichick era. No, it was 2002, actually, wasn't it? 2002. And uh, it was just just when Tom was just barely getting his start. Boy, they haven't seen that in a long time. It's been rough, but I'm going to stay optimistic as we lost 33-6. It was his largest home loss in the Bill Belichick era. It's definitely been weird seeing these losses. I don't see cam newton losing his starting job like some people are saying but i do see us going up against buffalo next week and staying optimistic we might pull out a win we might not they're a tough team to play tell you what some team or some people when when all of this happened where brady left and belichick stayed some people stayed with belichick and the team they're the fans some went with brady because they're like that's that's the quarterback those people are happier right now but i can say this you're a true fan of new england because now you're going to start taking the lumps that all the rest of the league has had to take for years. You're going to get your share right now. I've been getting it. I Like I said, I told the story to Matthew before we went on air. But I was wearing a Patriot beanie at work yesterday. And this higher up from Walmart comes in. He says, why are you wearing that hat? And I said, oh, because it's cold outside. I take groceries out. He's like, no, why are you wearing that hat? I'm like, oh, now I get the digs. It's just been rough. But I'll take him. So, Blake, what's the... 
the key thing the Patriots organization needs to do to kind of turn the season around? Our wide receivers need to step up. Um, I believe one of our wide receivers and Harry just got hurt, and they just need to step up and catch the ball. I think Tristan said it during one podcast, if you stop the run game, you stop the Patriots, and that's just how it's been. Yeah, Cam Newton hasn't been the same since those first couple of weeks. I think that's due to, you know, kind of a new offense. Teams don't have don't have the film on it. It's a much different Patriots offense than we've seen before, and now they have some film on it. They know how to stop it. The The Patriots receivers, yeah, they, they are, I think, lowest in the NFL in, like, getting separation, and that's what you need to do as a receiver, obviously. So big surprise. Teams don't always, you know, pick up random undrafted free agents and have success with them, you know? If you don't have Tom Brady and the Patriots – Sometimes you just have weak spots, and that's the reality of being an NFL fan, uh, except for the Patriots. And now, Blake, here you go. You have a bad a bad part of your team that doesn't just magically get fixed by a random player who's 5'9", and we've never heard of from uh, some no-name college. So there you go. Tell you what, Brady has always um, made do with middle-round uh, linebacker, I mean, uh, wide receivers that end up getting better when he's with them. Now he's surrounded by pretty much amazing talent all around. Uh, it's going to be a different season for him. It's going to be a different season for New England. Sounds like there's some critical questions on the way. We're going to move into a segment where Brandon sees what's critical and what's dead. Brandon. All right. We've kind of alluded to my first question, uh, but I'm going to start with Tristan. Uh, what exactly do the Cowboys need to do to just win the NFC East? Not turn their season around, just win the NFC East. I mean, you got to get healthy. Everything starts up front. You need that offensive line to be somewhat of what it used to be. And with that, with all these backups out there, that's that's where things really start to unravel. I think you could win games with Andy Dalton. I, I just think if everything around him wasn't a complete you know, disaster, maybe they could have some success with him, but you know, that it starts there. Maybe they, maybe they want to look into maybe going and getting a Ryan Fitzpatrick. That would make sense. If, if you're the the dolphins who mm-hmm. uh, moved on from him as their starter, maybe that helps. I but know. I've, I've heard reports from Rappaport that they are not interested in, in bringing in any quarterbacks because J- Jacoby Brissett and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick are the two names that have been like really kind of lifted up there. Uh, but they made a statement. They're not bringing in a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. There's only one, one quarterback in the NFL that's sitting on the bench that knows the Mike McCarthy system. Little, Tim Boyle out of Green Bay. And it was rumored in Packers land that Tim Boyle might be interested in going down to Dallas. <laughs> now, well, Tim Boyle really has not done anything as an NFL. He's done nothing as an NFL starter. Uh, and he's really only had preseason games to go off of. But, I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm. Well, and we've talked about it before, uh, or just around the NFL. I mean, Colin Kaepernick's out there. I, you know, that right. start trying things at this point. I don't know. And then defensively, you've just got to be got to be serviceable. I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what adjustments that what, what that would mean for Mike Nolan. Not giving up a huge plays defensively could be a start. But at, at this point, it's a huge, huge uphill battle. I think for the for the Cowboys to even win the NFC East, it's going to be an uphill battle. And I think unless they bring in a quarterback. Unless they bring in somebody else like they said they're not going to do, I don't think they get it done. What you guys are saying, Andy Dalton is key to this, but also their schedule, when they wrap it up, it's not looking as bad for the Dallas Cowboys. 
keep in mind they still have to play the Steelers, they have to play the Ravens. But look, looking at their schedule, they have to play the Eagles once more. They play the Washington football team once more. And they have, in their season, they play the Bengals, the Niners, the Eagles, and the Giants. Those are four winnable games for Dallas if they get it in the right direction. But it's going to be tough. Like Tristan said, with that o, the O-line is key. Andy Dalton is key. And Andy Dalton's not a scrub. So I don't see why they would ship for another quarterback unless he's hurt. I don't see him winning all those games you think they can win. I see San Francisco beating them handily. I see the Eagles actually giving them a run for their money. I think they can beat New York. I think the Bengals beat them uh, at this point. I could see two and two. We'll see. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our second of three critical questions. And this is kind of a two-part question, so I'm going to say it and then give you, uh, you know, like 30 seconds or so to kind of reflect on it. When will the Steelers lose their first game, and where will they place in the AFC playoff race? What seed do we get? I think it's safe to assume we can say they're going to win their division. So where do they rank between seeds one and four? If they're going to lose their first game of the season, it's going to be against the Ravens. Yeah, I believe it'll be this week. And Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. The team as a whole is a great team. They're five and one. So that'll be really, as I look at the schedule, the only test besides the Bills possibly would be a great test to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if they win this game and they win out their season and might lose to the Bills, I could see them finishing as the number one or number two team in the AFC. It just depends though on this game this weekend against Baltimore. And Pittsburgh and Baltimore games are always tough games to look watch. They're always great games to watch. So I see it being a game that we keep our eyes on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow up with Blake really quick, and then I'll let Tristan talk. So you, you kind of think the one and two seed, you're thinking like Kansas City and then Pittsburgh will go either way, one or two? Yes, it just depends on the end of the season and really this Baltimore game coming up for Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh wins this game, I could see them running the table and going down and being undefeated in the season. But it really just depends on this matchup. Uh, I think they're the, the game they eventually lose is one of these two to the Ravens, whether it's this week or in a few weeks. I think that if they can get through this first game against the Ravens and, and stay undefeated, they could be 10 and 0 and that that would be surprising if they don't go to 10 and 0 after after this game. Where they where they stand though in terms of the playoffs eventually, I would say yeah, I kind of agree with Blake, you know, that that top 2 seed right now has got to be the the goal for the Steelers and it's definitely manageable. I mean, this the winner of the AFC North, I think is probably going to be the team that takes that number 2 seed because it's I mean the Ravens are still uh, we're we've kind of forgotten about them in a way where they've they're not as dominant as they have been but they're, they're still a really good team and they could really get things going here down the stretch but yeah I think that number two seed behind uh, Kansas City is going to be the, the goal for the Steelers yeah I think it's one of the the Ravens games I mean it you know the Bills could surprise them the Browns could even surprise them in division sometimes they play them pretty tough but I think their their biggest test is going to be the Ravens getting both of those wins. Um, I think they could split that. I don't know if the Ravens would win this week or if the Ravens might come back and surprise them later. But uh, I was just trying to look up the rest of Kansas City's schedule um, to look and see what they had to see, whether I thought they would be number one or number two. Kansas City's playing the Jets and the Panthers and the Raiders. Uh, Raiders beat them once already. Uh, Tampa Bay could beat them, uh, not the Broncos. Uh, Dolphins, unless, you know, two is better than we thought. I don't think they'll win. Saints play them tough. I, I think it's it's a it's a toss up between Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Who's gonna be one? Who's gonna be two? I wouldn't be surprised either way. 
And I might be more inclined to say Pittsburgh at this point. Not necessarily what we thought coming into the season. I do have one final question. Uh, So last week, we kind of talked about the rookie of the year, rookie offensive player of the year. And I kind of want to talk about the MVP race. There's been a lot of hype around Russell Wilson and will he get his first NFL MVP. And so far, he's he's still in the conversation. There's other people in the conversation, one truly dear to my heart named Aaron Rodgers. But if Russell Wilson is to win the MVP, what does he have to do the rest of this season to really secure that? Just continue being perfect and carrying his team like he's been doing up until this last game. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to winning. He's going to put up the stats. I think if the Seahawks key to winning is Russell Wilson putting up big numbers. So I think those kind of go go hand in hand. So it's got it's got to come down to, to win probably winning that NFC East, even if his, his stats are a little bit worse than, you know, an Aaron Rodgers or some of these other quarterbacks in contention. You can say they just won the best the best division in football. And that that could kind of give him the edge over some of those other guys. The Seahawks have to finish their season against the Bills and the Rams twice. Those will be games he has to perform well in if he wants to win the MVP. He has to outshine Jared Goff and he has to outshine Josh Allen. Yeah, my my thoughts when I was thinking about this question, is I think Russell Wilson throws the best ball in the NFL. Like his his pass is the best, uh, but it's I really only see one version of it. I think if he can learn to gun gunsling just a little bit, uh, like that interception with Buda Baker, uh, he just kind of lobbed that pass up. He he has this beautiful rainbow and it allows all of his receivers to catch it, but it's also much more available for defensive players to get it, especially in the red zone. So if he can gunsling just a little bit in the red zone, Buda Baker would not have had that interception, and that would have been a touchdown. I mean, part of what makes him so great is is utilizing that touch and, and being able to put the ball in tight spots like that. That was just so uncharacteristic of Russell Wilson. So the benefit of the doubt is given to Russell Wilson, I think, in terms of letting him cook this year. But, you know, also he still needs to take care of the football and play kind of a, a complimentary running style uh, with how the Seahawks like to play. So that's part of him, you know, taking care of the football more and not being too aggressive. Yeah, I think he has, correct me if I'm wrong, but he has six interceptions on the season. Uh, he had three just Sunday night. And I think he had three going into that game. So six total interceptions on the season. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to go into some uh, overreaction questions now. Uh, and it kind of has to do with where we were just at. Uh, overreaction or not, the first uh, statement, the Bucks now with A.B. on staff are the best in the NFC at this point forward. Because we're just talking about Seattle now, right? So we got Seattle, we got the 49ers, we got the Arizona Cardinals, we got all these teams. What, uh, what do you think now with A.B. on the roster, are Tampa Bay the best in the NFC? I think that's an overreaction. I feel like Antonio Brown is a great pickup. I wouldn't go chiming the bells that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best in the NFC. I think we got to give it a couple weeks. Let's see how Antonio Brown fits into that system and see what they do record-wise in the next couple weeks, and we'll go from there. I kind of want to give Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers that they're the best team right now in the NFC, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I want to see how Antonio Brown's going to play coming back into the NFL. Uh, and he may he may be hungry to prove himself that he's still the same guy that he was before and his mental health is better. Uh, and we hear a lot of players talk about when they have improved their mental health, their playing got a lot better as well. 
And so if his mental health got a lot better and then his playing really skyrockets, I think they are the best team in the NFC, maybe the best team in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's really going to come down to can they gel together? Uh, can they get everything in line here for the rest of the games they have coming up? Um, and then, you know, looking at the, the games of, let's say, um, Seattle uh, overall. Uh, but I mean, you look at the Buccaneers and what they have. Uh, coming up, they've got New York, uh, New Orleans could be something, uh, Carolina, Los Angeles, Kansas City. So they're going to play against Kansas City in week 12. And by then, maybe we'll have a really good idea which of those teams looks like it's going to be the, uh, that, I mean, that's AFC, Kansas City. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, let's move on to our second, overreaction or not. Here's the, and we've kind of touched on this a, a couple different ways, but here's the statement. In the NFC East, they're going to send a team to the playoffs with only five wins for the first time ever, and it's going to be the Eagles at 5-10-1 over Washington at 5-11. and Overreaction or not? Yeah, overreaction. Uh, Washington football team is going all the way. So when you, all the way to the playoffs. So when you when playoffs. you look at their schedule, uh, this, what this would mean is that both of those teams would need more than three wins to beat that five. But and you think Washington's going to to do that? I'm going to read you the rest of their schedule here, and you tell me the the four wins they're going to get. Okay? Uh, okay, New York probably a win, right? Yeah, I would say yes. Detroit, Washington over Detroit. Hmm, it's tough, huh? That is a t- Detroit has looked surprisingly better this season than I expected. Let's let's put that as a loss. Let's say they're not there yet. Okay, Cincinnati Bengals. Washington going to beat Cincinnati? I don't think so. Okay, let's look at Dallas Cowboys. Yes, they just they, did, so I could see Dallas. that being a second time. Let's give them that one also. Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely no, just kidding. Um, San Francisco, Seattle Seahawks. I think all three of those you can probably emphatically say no, they won't. No, they will not win any of those games. How about Carolina Panthers? I think they can give Carolina a run for their money. That's it. That's an upset. I, I, I look at that, and I think Carolina is going to be rounding into fashion a little more by then. McCaffrey's going to be back. I think Carolina beats them. That leaves one game. Guess who that's against? The Eagles. The Eagles. I think, I think they get that. So let's say they get that. That's still five wins. That's five wins and 11 losses. Now... Look at the Eagles' remaining schedule. Let's see if they get more than three wins from, from what we see here. Dallas Cowboys. Do the Eagles beat Dallas? Uh, I think Dallas is in, in trouble right now. I think Eagles can. New York? I'm going to say they can. What about the Browns? No. No. What about the Seattle Seahawks? Definitely no. no. What about the Green Bay Packers? No. Definitely no. What about the New Orleans Saints? No. What Probably about not. the Arizona Cardinals? No. No. Okay. What about Dallas Cowboys? I think Dallas wins that game. I think they split one also. And and then that leaves Washington football team at the end. Which they lose to. Okay. So so? you're saying they're only going to win two more games. I have in my head that they're going to win three somehow. And they're going to end up going at 5, 10, and 1 to the playoffs. But look at how hard it was for us to find three wins for those two teams confidently. Oh, man, this could be the year that one team or one division sends a team with only five wins into the playoffs. That, that brings up the question is, should the NFL change their their ruling where if you are a below a 500 team, should you get into the playoffs or should that go to the next person that's in the hunt for the wild card spot? So you're talking about and going so for a record. You would have. 
Yeah, essentially, you only if you're below 500. So if you're seven and nine or worse. I think I may be one of the few people in the country, I don't know, maybe there's more like me, that would absolutely love this idea of a team with only five wins somehow getting in and then the football gods just touching them with luck and they they beat people they're not expected and having a five-win team either get to the championship game or maybe to the Super Bowl, maybe even win the Super Bowl. Well, how crazy would that be? Uh, it, it's not unheard of. It's highly, highly unlikely. But I love the fact yeah. that one team from every division, even if they're below 500, get a chance. Yeah, I think that's more of a good headline. Yeah, and I think uh, it's something that makes than, like the world yeah. like, oh my goodness, what could happen? All right, yeah, so let's say the Washington football team gets in. Okay. Let's say they're, their first round they're playing an NFC West team. Let's say the Cardinals. Washington football team beats the Cardinals. They move on to the divisional round. Let's say the divisional round, they're going to play another NFC West team. Let's say the Seahawks that won the division. Okay. They beat the Seahawks. They move on to the championship game against an NFC North team, the Packers. Wow, I never saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> they lose to the Packers, and then they're just at that championship game. But I don't think a five, a team that goes 5-11 or 5-10-1 has what it takes to go all the way through the Super Bowl. That four-game hot streak, I, I, don't, be crazy. I don't think it's there. Uh, I agree. But I do think it's entirely possible. Uh, looking again, and it depends. You know, If the Dallas Cowboys actually pick up a different quarterback, they could uh, get hotter than I expect. But right now, I looked at all their schedules. Uh, I didn't mess with the New York Giants because I just don't think they're going to win three more games. But um, uh, I looked at the schedules, and... Uh, it really does look like it could be only three more wins for either Washington or Eagles, and whichever one of those gets those three could be going to the playoffs. Now, again, things can change, but uh, that would be an interesting interesting thing to see as we get toward the playoffs. Uh, and that is going to bring me to the, the next question, uh, and that is uh, one that I've already touched on. The NFC West will be the first ever to send all four teams from their division to the playoffs. I 100% think it's possible. I'm also on that train. I think there's one thing that, that makes it a question, and that's the New Orleans Saints. When you look at the standings right now, New Orleans Saints have a chance to take that spot. But otherwise, uh, you take one from each division. You get the Seattle, you get the Packers, you get the Buccaneers, and you get the, let's say, the Eagles. Let's say Washington, for Brandon's sake. Okay, who, who knows out of that uh, NFC East? Uh, so you got those four teams. You got three left, right? Um, Cardinals are probably going to be one, and Bears are probably going to be one. Okay, that takes down to one left. With that one spot left right now, you're looking at the 49ers or the New Orleans Saints. So the New Orleans Saints wanna... could spoil that, but if for some reason, like right now, uh, and 49ers have been rounding back into shape, let's say they just continue to stay hot, could we see our first ever one whole division go to the playoffs? Well, let's, let's look at the New Orleans schedule for the rest of the season. I have it pulled up right here. This week they play the Bears. Is that a winnable game or a losable game? I'm back and Bears are going to lose. <laughs> yeah. so I thought you were going to say going to win. <laughs> Uh, then they play the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to look for revenge from yeah, week one. I think so. So there's two losses in the Saints column. Then they play the 49ers. Could be a huge game. 40. It could be, it, last year, it was the game of the year, in my opinion. 
at the Superdome. Uh, and it's at the Superdome again. But I think the 49ers pull out that win. There's no so crowd noise three, this time, so they don't have that big home field that they usually have. Yeah, I think that's three losses in a row for the Saints coming up. Then they play the Falcons. I think they win in the fourth quarter. <laughs> well, where did you ever come up with that? I've never seen the Falcons lose in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the Falcons will have like a 100% win rate in the, going into the fourth quarter and then lose it. So I think they, they beat the Falcons. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Falcons again. They beat the Eagles. They lose to the Chiefs. They beat the Vikings. And then they have the Panthers. Is the Panthers a winnable or a losable game? It depends if Christian McCaffrey is back. Yeah, it's week 17. So how many wins would that be so they if they beat did beat them? How many did uh, you count up there? Six wins. So that so puts them at, put them at 10 11. wins. Oh, don't they have five already? Oh, they have four. Yeah, so 10. Yeah, they're four and two. All right. Well, so let's be 10 and six on the season. Let's look at the remaining games for the 49ers. Okay, Seattle, probably going to lose. Yeah, I, but I think so too. you never know. Uh, they always play them tough. Green Bay, probably going to lose. lose. New Orleans, uh, that's the one you said they, they, you think they'll win. Yeah, I think they'll beat New Orleans. L.A. Rams. They could beat L.A. Kind of a toss-up game. That's a toss-up. Yeah. I'm going to give it as a loss to them, so we still only have them at one win. Buffalo Bills. That's a uh, loss. It depends what Buffalo team shows up. It's, if it's that Buffalo team that played the Jets, you know they're going to win. But yeah. if it's the Buffalo team that played the Rams, I think they, they have a loss. Okay, since I just gave one as a loss, I'll give this one as a win. We'll say that's All two. Right. Washington, win. Dallas, yeah. win. win. Arizona. They've already lost to Arizona once this week, and that was at home. Now they have to go to Phoenix and play. With less players. That was week one when they were fully healthy. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think, uh, I think Arizona Cardinals could probably pull that one out. And I think Seattle at the end. So I don't think it's going to happen. That's only four possible wins, you know, so... Uh, and let, no, they could surprise us. So one unlikely. Say, the one thing I will say on this topic is that Kyle Shanahan is a genius. He's probably, he should be coach of the year, no matter what their record is, yeah. because he's done a great job with this team. The resiliency. So many injuries and just the, the play design and the creativity of scheming up runs. I mean, Jeff Wilson was the the uh, RB1 last week in fantasy. And that it, he didn't even make that many like amazing plays. It was just all, all of that great scheming and misdirection and that zone run scheme that they run is just so tough to stop. And, yeah, you got to give Kyle Shanahan just a ton of credit for whatever the result is of, of this year. So not a total overreaction, but still it's that New Orleans Saints team, team that's standing in the way of us seeing that historic moment of, a, of one whole division going to the playoffs. How about this one? Jets don't win a game and they become the third 0 and 16 team ever. Overreaction uh, or not? I think that's accurate. Pretty yeah, accurate. That's not that's not an overreaction, but it it is football, it is random. I mean, last week they almost beat the Bills. They were, you know, drive away. So, I I could see them getting some weird random Thursday night game or, you know, something like that against it. Maybe later in the season when a team doesn't have a whole lot to play for and they just happen to get lucky, a couple interceptions, a few things happen. I'd, I would I wouldn't bet on it. I'd bet on at least one win for the rest of the year. Like if you give me a if if if, if we're wagering here and it's over under uh, wins for the the Jets for the rest of the year, I'd take one just because it's football. <laughs> it's random. It happens, but it's not an overreaction to say that they're on par with those other zero and sixteen teams from the past. I agree with that, and uh, it seems like every day their team gets worse instead of better. And I think yeah. if there is a if there is a one win that comes, 
Uh, they play one team uh, twice the rest of the season Patriots. that is that is beatable, and that's the Patriots. Um, uh, now the Jets and the Patriots, you know, obviously things are different than they've ever been. I mean, the rest the rest of their schedule, Kansas City, even the Chargers, even the Dolphins, um, I think are going to be better. Uh, Raiders, Seattle, Rams, Browns. I think all those beat the Jets. But New England, New England and possibly Miami, one of those could drop one game to him. So... Uh, and that's that's what I have for the overreaction uh, or not. Uh, and so we're going to move into our marquee manure and my oh my games for the week. We're going to start with Tristan. Uh, Tristan, what's your what's your marquee game? What's your manure game? And what's your my oh my? Well, hopefully I can I can stay in here because the Eastern Illinois Wi-Fi has been about as reliable as the Bears' offense. Today. So <laughs> well, that's where we are with this, but. Uh, for my marquee matchup, I think it's a pretty not pretty obvious pick. You got the AFC North Steelers Ravens Ravens coming off a bye. Steelers feeling great at six and zero. That's going to be just a fun game to watch. Two really good teams that take care of the football. Their their defenses are good, and yeah, and, and the Ravens they're adding a, a pass rushing piece in Yannick Ngakwe. So that's going to be nice to see what what they can do with him there. So that's going to be my marquee game uh, to watch. I'm going to go with Manure next, and it's Thursday Night Football. It's <laughs> it's Falcons-Panthers. I mean, you know, this, this is going to be it. This is going to have it. There's going to be some fantasy implications. Other than that, who really wants to watch this game? I mean, the Panthers, credit to, to the Panthers. Their defense has been serviceable, and that's a, a, a unit that needed a lot of work. They lost Luke Keekley, brought in a lot of uh, pieces from the draft. So credit to Matt Rule and what he's done there so far in that rebuild, but Man, I, I don't want to see that game, but my my oh my matchup is going to be I'm going to go Niners Seahawks. I mean the Niners come into into this game, it's it's good. It's, it's just so impressive what they've done so far with all those injuries. Like I said earlier, but the Seahawks they're the, they're more talented team. They're explosive offense. What are they able to do against that Niners team? You got Richard Sherman against his old team as well. That's going to be my my oh my pick. The main game to watch there in the afternoon. Saints Bears, I might have to turn that one off early, so I'll, I'll have my eyes on that one as well. <laughs> Brandon, what are you, what are your three games this week? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, my marquee matchup. I'm not going to do Steelers at Ravens. I felt like you're going to want to watch that game regardless. There's, it, it's going to be a good game, uh, but I think the game that's going to be better is going to be 49ers at Seahawks. Seahawks are coming off their first loss of the season. And as we just discussed, the 49ers are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, and that, you know, that starts now. And Kyle mm -hmm. Shanahan knows that. And he doesn't want to be a coach that's, you know, that 49ers coach that takes his team all the way to the Super Bowl, loses the Super Bowl, and they can't do anything anymore. He wants to be the guy that takes his team to the Super Bowl, loses the Super Bowl, and then comes back to win it. That's a Kyle Shanahan approach to this football team. And they're going to go out there and they're going to hit those Seahawks hard like yeah. they have the previous couple weeks. And if Jimmy Garoppolo uh, plays like he played, you know, last week, um, they could, you know, do some stuff against that Seattle defense now, even though they've added just a little bit. Yeah. And so that's, that's my key matchup for this week. Uh, my manure game, I'm going to go Jets at Chiefs. If the Jets come out and win that game, that's going to be the game of the year. But it's not going to happen. So uh, 
yeah, I got I got the Chiefs winning that by a lot. And if you have fantasy players that play for the Chiefs, uh, put them in. Always put them in against the Jets. In my my oh my matchup, I want to do the Raiders at the Browns. Uh, kind of see how Baker's gonna fare with without OBJ totally not playing, and see see where they go from there. The Raiders have looked uh, okay this season. They've had some key wins. Uh, but they've also had some pretty surprising losses. So I want to see how they're going to fare against a, a Browns team that's always, you know, where are they at in their cycle? Are they going to win or are they they feel like they're still underdogs? Are they just going to go on a losing streak again? We have to wait and see. All right. Real quick before we move on, uh, that spread for the, the Chiefs-Jets, I just looked this up right now, 19 and a half. For yeah. the Chiefs. It That's was 20 for an yeah. NFL spread. It was 20 earlier wow. this week, and it was like one of the few spreads that have ever been that big. I mean, I'll, I'll still take the Chiefs to cover that, but wow. Yeah, if you're going to want to watch a game that's going to be a complete blowout, just turn on your PlayStation and go play Madden. <laughs> Blake, what about you? What's your marquee, your manure, and your my oh my games this week? So mine kind of lines up with Tristan. My marquee is going to be Steelers and Ravens. I'm going to copy that. I think that'll be a good game to watch. I'll definitely be tuning in if it's in our area. My my oh my is going to be the Saints and Bears. I think the Bears have a little bit to prove with them coming off a, lot, a tough loss against LA Rams, and they're going up against another tough opponent in the New Orleans Saints. And my newer matchup is going to be the same as Tristan. It's going to be Falcons and Panthers. I don't see that being enjoyable up until the fourth quarter. I feel like Panthers will make a comeback in the fourth and win that game. And looking at these, uh, I'm in agreement. Uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore are definitely the game that uh, you want to watch because it's going to have big implications and you really have two teams that are powerhouses. You want to see which one's going to get it done. Uh, Does Pittsburgh take a step toward being the best in the AFC this week? Uh, or does Baltimore try to derail that? Uh, for the manure game, uh, I, I, I had two in mind, KC Jets, uh, and they were for the exact same reason, KC Jets uh, and Green Bay versus Minnesota, because both of those are going to be just like, the only reason you would tune in is because you want to watch the dominant team clobber the non-dominant team. And I think you've got more of a clobber chance with Kansas City versus Jets just because they're so bad on every facet. But Minnesota right now is not much better uh, in, in what they're doing. And uh, Green Bay, if, if they're back in their high-flying ways, it's going to be both of those. It's, it's like you said. It's like when you decide to play a game with your two-year-old niece. You know you're going you're gonna to beat her bad, and that's what's going to happen. So... Uh, those were my manure games. I picked two. Uh, the my oh my, I'm actually going to go with the L.A. Rams versus the Dolphins. And the reason I think it's going to be my my oh my is it's our first chance to get a full look at, at Tua, and I can never say his last name. You said it last week, uh, Tristan. How's Tago it? Vailoa. Tago Vailoa. Okay. Tango Vailoa. Tango Vailoa. Anyway, Tua is our first chance to get to see Tua. Uh, for a whole game. And, you know, they, they brought him out for a reason. They think he's ready. Um, and, uh, I mean, they're going to be feeding him to Aaron Donald, but let's see, you know, can he, can he persist? What if the Dolphins win? It could be a really interesting game. And so uh, that's my, my, oh, my game of the week uh, out of, out of two or three that I had the option. I, I actually had the 49ers and Seahawks as my, my second possibility, but since it's already been mentioned, I, I will stick with LA versus the Dolphins, and we'll see if that turns out to be the my oh my game that we all hoped it would be. 
All right. Let's rewind and look at the, the past week of fantasy football. Let's see how our votes are going, and, and let's see if there's anything surprising that happened. Brandon, who is ahead now? All right. Well, it, it was definitely an interesting week. Uh, Blake and Matthew went, both went three for five. I went four for five. Uh, the game we all got wrong was Mop Lafleur was going to beat Sir Topham Hat. Uh, that did not happen, and it was decided Monday Night Football with uh, Cooper Cup coming out with just a couple points to really top Mop Lafleur for that week. And so what's the overall standings now on vote winners? Uh, so, Blake, you are 20 out of 35. Nice. Matthew, you are 17 out of 35. Not as nice. And I am 21 out of 35. I have taken... Better than nice. See, I thought I was going to be the worst in this league. I thought I was going to be the Charles Barkley of these predictions. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a lot of them wrong and then just, you know... I'd be cool with that being the Charles Barkley of this show, but so far being second place is nice. So in, in looking back at the last week, you mentioned we all thought that Mop Lafleur would um, be our winner. Are there any other surprises that happened? I will say probably one of the lowest scoring winners was Old Man Rivers uh, with only 157 points. When you look at the scores of some of these other ones, uh, you know, Big Thighs had 223 in his win, 246. Yeah, not, not basketball. I know, not basketball. Oh, that was that like, is, that's, I uh, felt so bad for Dylan. Oh, such, such a close one. He's been like uh, the, so low in score, but this time he put in a, a nice roster. He just happened to face the highest scoring roster in this particular week. And isn't that the way it goes? Yeah. I, we're so sorry, Dylan, when you listen to this, I was rooting for you this whole time. Uh, and, and it just came down to the last second. Sir Topham hat, uh, only one with 169, but that was still better than 157. And, uh, clear eyes, uh, got his, what was it? His second win. Is he now, uh, at two and five? I believe he is. So he's on a streak, one win streak. Go Brandon Harris. Keep going, keep going. Let's uh, let's look forward to our next week and make some of these predictions and prognostications. Right. Who are we starting with, Brandon? Uh, we're going to start Mop Lafleur versus Clear Eyes Full Hearts. Mop Lafleur. Uh, so in this game, Mop Lafleur versus Clear Eyes Full Hearts. Let's see. Uh, does not look like Abigail adjusted her lineup yet. Uh, but uh, I think I'm going to stick with my gut, and I've gone for Mop Lafleur every week for no particular reason. Actually, I, I have to go that. She has again. she has adjusted it from this morning because when I looked this morning, she still had Hopkins in, and she still had Fell. Uh, was it Fells in? Uh, okay. Gonzalez. She had uh, she has adjusted so far. All right. She hasn't put Aaron Jones back in yet. That that'll Is we'll, we'll see how that turns week? out. That's the questionable. Right. As of right now, he's supposed to. He just had a like a calf strain that happened in practice, and they just they yeah. sat him out. They said we're not going to risk anything. Jamal Williams will do just fine, and Jamal Williams did mm -hmm. just fine. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but I, I go with Mopplefleur for n no particular reason. In looking at this, uh, I was looking at this roster earlier today, uh, and uh, I was assuming that she would uh, put in um, the I, I, earlier today. Aaron Jones actually was predicted to get more, even though he was questionable. That's gone down considerably. Um, I guess the questionableness is stronger. <laughs> 
Uh, and so uh, I was looking at thinking uh, if she puts him in and the other people she has on the bench, she can she can probably get up there. But I don't know if she has enough to overcome. Now, Aaron Rodgers uh, will probably overscore by a lot there. But, you know, Edwards Hilaire now is splitting with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, that's what keeps me from thinking that that's going to be so great, even though he's against the New York Jets. It's like, what's what's going to happen um, yeah. if Le'Veon Bell she gets is- a lot of those carries or goal line carries? She is starting uh, both Tampa Bay running backs against the Giants, uh huh, and that's that's big uh, because I think they can get a lot of points there. I, I think I'm going to go with Mop Lafleur mostly because of who um, the the people are going against uh, with clear eyes, full hearts. You got people going against. Uh, Cleveland, which I think is going to be a little strong for Derek Carr. I think Mixon going against Tennessee is not going to get the points he usually gets. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. It's it's a toss-up. I should be going clear ice full hearts, but I'm going to go Mop LaFleur. I'll go Mop LaFleur as well. Uh, the, what's really holding me back, though, for, for clear ice full hearts, uh, Allen Robinson might be out th- uh, this week with a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I feel good about starting. I'd, I'd feel good about starting both Tampa Bay running backs. Uh, it's kind of been a little bit more favored for Leonard Fournette after this past week. He's gotten a little bit more of the carries, but Ronald Jones is still involved. And overall, someone's going to put up production and they're all going to get carries, which helps out in this league. So yeah, I'll go Mop LaFleur. I'm going to go unanimously with Mop LaFleur. I feel like they have the better edge against the opponents they have to face. Um, They're playing teams like Denver, Atlanta, Minnesota, New York. They'll get their points all those players, and I believe Mop LaFleur will win despite the projected points. Boy, we might all be setting ourselves up for a fail because Clear Ice is on a winning streak and LaFleur is on a losing streak. So we'll see. That's, that's true. Let's move on to our next game. We're going to have Not Basketball versus 24 Blast, Dylan and Blake. Uh, and as, as we just mentioned, Dylan had a really good game last week, um, and it was such a shame he lost. But I'm I'm not going to root for him this week. I, I will always root for Dylan, but I'm not rooting for his team uh, this week. I'm going to go uh, 24 blast. I think Patrick Mahomes really takes it over the top against the Jets, and I don't think Drew Brees is going to put up much against uh, that Chicago defense. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I'm going with 24 blast. Um, you know when he took out uh, when he put Drew Brees, and I'm like, why do you do that? But it's because Gardner's on a bye week and just a shout out to Gardner Minshew uh there's teams or people saying that oh he you know he he could be let go he's really been uh doing well for this horrible team um yeah he's made a few mistakes but he's been carrying this team and I I think it might be a mistake to put all the blame on him he's not been bad in fantasy he's not been bad uh it's just the rest of the team around him that's that's pretty rough now not that he's perfect but uh, anyway, Drew Brees, I don't think we'll get as many points. Uh, I agree. Um, I think I think the Patrick Mahomes against New York Giants, uh, the Rob Gronkowski against the, I mean, the Jets, uh, Gronkowski against the Jets uh, with that Tampa Bay game. Uh, I think those are both going to be big. Yep, I'm going to go with 24 Blast. You know what? Here's here's the thing. I'm going not basketball again. I, I'm thinking this guy Dylan's going to get his first win of the season because for a couple of reasons. Um, DJ Moore has been able to bounce back a little bit from a rough start to the season. T Higgins has been a nice, another nice rookie receiver receiver who's done well. And I think they'll have a decent game, um, in, in this week. And then also got, uh, the de- defensive advantage. I might consider 
changing my pick, but 24 blast currently starting the Cowboys defense. I know they're playing the Eagles, but that's, you, you can't start that defense. Okay. That's, that's not a defense that should be owned by anyone. Bill's defense against the Patriots for not basketball. That's a great matchup. That's going to be my edge, my walk-off. I'm going to get to class. Not basketball gets the win. See you guys. I'm going 24 blast and I just optimized my roster. So actually Freeman will not be getting the start. It'll be Deandre Swift. And I'm going to disagree with Tristan on that. I wish you would have stayed in because I'd have to start the Patriot defense if I don't start the Cowboys defense. I do not see the Patriot defense doing well against the Buffalo Bills. I, I think there is a solution there, Blake. Uh, something called waiver wires. Yeah, I might have <laughs> where to Where you can usually pick up some... Uh, like, I picked up the Buccaneers defense off waiver wires a couple weeks ago, and, and that worked out pretty well for me. I think I've also picked up the Saints defense at one point. I'll have uh, to take a look into it. But let's move on to our next matchup. We're going to go Big Thighs versus Knights of the Huddle. Or the Knights of the Huddle. All right. Uh, this makes me really sad. Uh, Knights of the Huddle has, he's put together a good team. Uh, and that pickup of Justin Herbert, he has been torching defenses and killing it on fantasy since he's come into this league a few weeks ago I, I don't know how i how i can compete with that i think if Devonte adams and justin jefferson both have phenomenal games it'll turn out well i think justin jefferson's going to do pretty well he'll be paired against uh not jair alexander that's going to be adam thielen and jair alexander uh so justin jefferson's going to get a bulk of those catches coming up here on sunday uh and if, if I pull out a win, I think it's going to be because of Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson together. I don't know how Dalvin Cook's going to fare yet. Uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. I, I'm so torn. Uh, I, I'm going to go with myself. I'm going to say big thighs. Big thighs wins. Uh, and if I don't, I I won't be upset about it. I'm looking at this, and uh, it's it's the uh, Justin Herbert and Jonathan Taylor uh, coming, um, you know, back from a bye week against uh, Detroit. I think it's going to be big. It's got several teams teams against uh, several players against the New York Giants uh, with Tampa Bay. I think they're going to do well. So I think the the defense there, as well as they're going to be kicking lots of extra points, and I think. Uh, Evans is going to get his. So I'm going with Knights of the Huddle this week, even though there's Devonta Adams on that other side in the Steelers defense. Those are some things that look good to me. Hill against the, the Jets, but I just don't think it's enough to overcome. And I think, you know, Matthew Stafford playing against Indy. Indy's been one of the stingiest defenses um, around. And so I think Matt Stafford is not going to do exceptionally well this week. So Knights of the Huddle. Man, this is tough, but... I think I'm going to go with big thighs, and I think one of the reasons why is Tyreek Hill is going to have a big night against the New York Jets. I feel like the Steelers' defense will do well against Baltimore. I think Devontae Adams will have a good night against Minnesota as well, so I'm going with big thighs on this week. Hard to count out, though, Justin Herbert against Denver and Mike Evans against the New York Giants. This is my week to make a move, guys, to get a win you didn't pick. You both picked big thighs. Let's see if it works oh, out. Yeah, Matthew, let's... Speaking of Matthew, let's go ahead and move on to his game. We have Old Man Rivers versus Sir Topham Hat. Uh, I think Old Man Rivers is second in the league, and Sir Topham Hat is third. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty pretty good matchup going into it. Uh, right now, personally, I have Old Man Rivers winning this game, and it's going to come down to a couple things. I think if Pittsburgh is not able to contain Lamar Jackson. Lamar's going to get a lot of those rushing points that are so critical in this league to get. 
uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be that guy lighting up Chicago because that's what he's done all season. He's lit up every team because they're not utilizing their receivers. Alvin Kamara is their receiver. Just pass it to him flat, get a couple blocks, and he'll make a lot of moves. Uh, and then Calvin Ridley and DK Metcalf are going to put up monster points. I know DK Metcalf didn't do as well last week, but now teams have Tyler Lockett more on their radar, and I think they're going to split time between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think uh, Old Man Rivers pulls out the very close win on this one. Um, and I think it, it really has to do with Burrow going against Tennessee, who's been pretty tough. Uh, and uh, I think he's still inexperienced enough that I think Lamar will probably do a little better uh, against Pittsburgh. I think Kamara is going to be the key again against Chicago. I think he's going to get lots of small passes. He's going to get lots of runs. It's still going to go through him. Uh and I think that um, Ridley's going to have a big week. You got Kittle versus Kelsey this week. I think Kelsey could do better against the Jets, but at the same time, Kittle might uh, actually end up getting a lot more use because San Francisco has uh, good corners, and so they may be doing a lot of tight end uh, underneath routes. Uh, so uh, I think Blankenship and, and the, the Colts will do well against Detroit. I think this is going to be a game for Old Man Rivers. I'm going with the old man rivers, but one thing you guys have not discussed that I'm going to point out is Mike Davis could not be getting as much carries this week if Christian McCaffrey clears out IR and comes back to play. But mm-hmm. looking at these rosters, I'm going with old man rivers. I feel like Matthew hit around the head with everything he said. So I'm no, no point in repeating all of it. All right. Hmm. Let's move on to our final matchup of the week. That is uh, TPT football versus Wilson. Personally, I think this is, this is pretty uh, pretty much a cookie cutter game i think wilson as our highest scoring fantasy person in this league uh is going to pull out a pretty obvious win uh and it's not the fact that trumpet football has two people on bye weeks still on the starting lineup i'm sure that'll get changed uh tomorrow or saturday or sunday before the game starts uh but even if so i think wilson still puts up a win yeah, you got Russell Wilson, you got Derrick Henry, you got Lockett, you got uh, you you got the Forty Nine ers. Steve, I think I think so. Also, Wilson wins. I mean, you need to be going Wilson as well. I just don't see that team TPT football going coming back and winning against Wilson. All right, and maybe we'll see our first uh, first prediction get all five right this week. We'll have to wait and see till next week. Wait and see, and hopefully it's me. All right. <laughs> well, hey. Uh, We're so glad everyone could join us this week. Don't forget to go to anchor.fm slash footballfandemic. Leave us a message. We'd love to comment and talk about that. We'll see you guys next week right here 